Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Cloud Wars Live. We're digging into the digital revolution that is sweeping the world here and talking to some of the companies that are primarily responsible for enabling that digital revolution. We're delighted today to have one of IBM's senior executives, Howard Boville, who is the senior vice president for the IBM cloud business. Howard, welcome to Cloud Wars Live. Delighted to be here. So, Howard, lots going on these days, and I think one of the most intriguing developments that are taking place, both in the tech industry, but I think, you know, what's going on on the customer side is this whole move toward industry-specific applications. So, clearly, IBM's got a lot of history with global business services, the technology you provide. Could you tell us a little bit about your perspectives on that, please? Yeah, it's it's kind of it's a real shift, and, and really, the, the thesis or the, um, the, the ideas that we have here born out of my life when I was actually on um, as a customer of of all technology companies relative to the institution I worked at um, and I could see kind of very often for the large um, uh, kind of legacy companies the large enterprise companies the cloud offerings just didn't work they weren't relevant they weren't secure they didn't have the compliance controls in place superb business models obviously for cloud native companies um, but for those companies with legacy environments um, they weren't appropriate um, so um, IBM has been working on the basis of building cloud specific for industries. And why would we do that? Well, that's because we've been servicing large enterprises for over hundred years. So it's just a natural motion to actually have this form factor there. Um, but the other element um, to, to answer your question in terms of building resource pools, building capabilities that meet industry workloads is because um, with the advent of AI, which is at very much at the heart of the strategy that we have here, it requires different types of resource pools for AI to work effectively. Um, and the other element within this is um, the approach that we have at IBM is one of an open hybrid cloud architecture. And just to quickly unpack that for you, open obviously in terms of not going to a proprietary standard that you can see with other companies, because um, we feel that innovation moves more quickly on an open basis. Hybrid's a fancy term for on-premise and off-premise IT, nothing more complicated than that. Um, but that doesn't mean that, that, that when we come with a solution, the answer isn't cloud, what's the question? The answer is appropriate to what the customer's environment is. Um, and also um, customers will consume from multiple clouds, whether it's from a cloud service provider or from software as a service providers. And therefore that's why the open element is super important because a core asset any company has now is its data. And the current mode of operations is your data gets put into this proprietary locked system. And we just don't see the world that way. Um, so um, hopefully that gives you a kind of a, a sense of kind of how we see the world and how we're developing our offerings for the marketplace. Yeah, Howard, uh, you know, this, uh, all the things you mentioned make a great deal of sense, but, you know, watching the tech business for a fairly long time, I don't think I've ever seen something like this. It's sort of this uh, across the industry move and this recognition in some way that, you know, has it been triggered by what the world's been like the last 13 months that, the traditional tools are still great and they have their purpose, but businesses now need additional capabilities to be able to participate in the, the new digital economy. And that seems like to be what's triggering this uh, industry specific move. Is that fair? Well, I, th I think there's a number of factors, one of which is you can look at kind of the, the, the total numbers for cloud adoption and the rate and pace of the chapter one cloud providers that have moved at. It looks like everything's moved to cloud. But you move to the enterprise space, um, particularly in regulated industries, and it's low single digit in terms of their applications that have moved to the cloud. And that isn't because there's a natural reticence to use new technology. 
But the problems that have to be solved for to be able to use the capabilities of cloud-like technologies are more complex. Um, and um, again, I observed this when I was um, consuming technologies. Unless you deal with a company that's got a heritage in terms of solving for those complex problems, you just simply pass one another in the, in the conversations that you're having. Um, and the reason why I came to IBM was I could see the assets that IBM had, but also just the deep heritage in terms of understanding the complex problems that you have if you work in government, in financial services, telecommunications, healthcare, um, automotive industry, and so on. Um, and that's that's the, the big opportunity. Um, but to be able to play in those marketplaces, to be able to deliver the value, you've got to deliver industry-specific capabilities. Um, otherwise, there's no value simply moving your applications off your computers and putting them onto somebody else's. That, that, there is zero value in that. There's no strategic uh, um, um, output that you get from that kind of approach. Howard, you know, uh, I had an occasion uh, two or three weeks ago to speak with Hillary Hunter, and she was among the many, you know, fascinating things she talked about was how with confidential computing, IBM can even in the, you know, in the hardware, you know, be able to develop new solutions that are, are critical for regulated industries. So could you talk a little bit about the different sort of points of the compass that IBM is able to bring to bear for some of these complicated environments you've described? Yeah, again, it's a very a different philosophy. Um, so that you kind of you got the more you got the kind of perhaps the newer entrance into IT that see data as a mechanism of either monetizing to create a product from it, mm -hmm. or actually a mechanism to keep you locked in as a customer. Um, whereas our philosophy is very different to that, which is your data should be your data, um, and that shouldn't be seen as a mechanism where we would send you a ransom note should you ever want it back for a very expensive amount of money to provide it back to you. So if you carry the, you pull the thread on that philosophy. It also then means that we've developed our architectures in a different way. So, for example, key encryption, encryption for um, your ability to get to, to your data, uh, only our customers have those keys. That's different from other cloud service providers. Um, we, we, we see no reason as to why we should ever get access to your data. Uh, once the data is in our cloud, we build confidential compute capabilities, as you've articulated, that Hillary has mentioned to you. Um, which means that your data will be encrypted not only at rest and in transit, but also in use. Um, and you think that through, that that's, means that you can do a lot more from an IT governance perspective, a data governance perspective, to firstly assure that the actual quality and the purity of the data doesn't get corrupted, which is essential to ensure that you have responsible AI. But secondly, you can mix with third-party data sources in the knowledge and assurity that you're not going to actually put your customer's data at risk from a privacy perspective or from a laws, rules and regs perspective. Um, so because we come at things with a different philosophy, perhaps to the to other providers in the space, um, we are giving, I guess, the, the controls back to our customers in terms of how they think about their user resource pools in the industry specific way, but also how they think about using their data and actually can get more insights in this context because they don't have to be, uh, be as concerned around compromising privacy laws, GDPR out of Europe, and the many other privacy laws that are cropping up throughout other nation states. Yeah, and Howard, I know that in the uh, recent earnings call, there was some discussion about the cloud packs. So I know it's a, it's a big part of what you're doing with IBM and the software. Could you tell, talk a little bit about that and the role that those are playing perhaps and uh, broadly, and then also within the industry specific solutions? Yeah, so, so it always kind of struck me with fascination that, um, the way that you would kind of consume cloud services is you move your applications there and you move your data there. Um, 
but you never move all data to one place. You have data in your own on-premise environment, uh, you have it in terms of different areas. But essentially, you were taking your most precious resource and putting it into these little locked chambers that you couldn't do the alchemy to create the, the mixture of things to create some, something else from the periodic table. Um, so that ties into the open hybrid um, cloud um, approach we have, which is you should be able to get as much equal access to your data on-premise as you could in a cloud construct mm -hmm. to actually mix that data to create, as I say, this kind of kind of alchemy stone in terms of the, uh, the new ingredients. Um, so that's very unique to IBM. Um, and it's because we're not a pure, pure player cloud provider. The answer isn't cloud, what's the question? Yeah. We're, we're situational relative to what a customer would want. Um, and I guess obviously I'm in a, in a strong position, which is I knew what the problems I had to deal with when I was running large infrastructures and the issues I would see uh, in terms of kind of working in this basis. And it's really resonating very strongly um, with the marketplace. Um, because of the, the obvious reasons. All oh, right, fantastic. You're liberating my ability to get to all of my data, irrespective as to where it may be, whether it's on-premise in the IBM cloud or in another cloud um, as well, which again is unique to us. We don't, I don't necessarily see myself in this kind of um, fight to the death competition with the other cloud providers. I actually see as being complementary to the other cloud providers. And why do I see that? Because in my old role again, and when I talk to um, CIOs and organizations, they're always going to consume multiple cloud providers because you don't want to be locked into a pace of innovation of one cloud provider, nor do you want to be locked in from a financial perspective, and nor do you want the IT operational or cybersecurity risk of being with one provider as well. Um, so that therefore, everything that we build is in that context. Yeah, and um, so, Howard, let me just come back on that too. So in those, those areas, I think a lot of the IBM products are pretty clear, straightforward, understood, but talk a little bit about the, the cloud packs and what role is that gonna play going forward? Yep, so cloud pack for data, um, you, we deliver that through um, a product called cl um, cloud satellite. Um, and cloud satellite is this capability that sits above your on-premise environment, the IBM cloud and the other cloud service providers. Again, a unique piece, but always ties back to this core philosophy of open hybrid cloud. Um, Cloud Pack for data, for example, um, is a mechanism where it can capture data irrespective of the data store, whether it's a spreadsheet, whether it's a, a, a document, whether it's a data lake and so on, and bring it together in an aggregated fashion for then you, for you to apply the data and AI tools that we can also provide to you through Watson Studio. Um, but it does it across all those different environments. Um, so on-premise, our cloud, other clouds as well. Um, again, unique to what we do, but tied to the philosophy of open hybrid cloud and AI. The, um, that, that also means that the satellite capability is as a service, so it's easy to consume. Um, it means that you just consume the as a service capability from satellite, adds on the cloud pack for data. There are other cloud packs that we can put in there as well, which actually allow you to get further utilization of other components, whether that's cybersecurity, whether it's automation capabilities, um, but all in this open framework. Um, and then the other element that I would mention is, um, which ties into this philosophy that as a customer, you are going to consume from multiple clouds. What we have with Code Engine, which is our serverless offering, which we've just recently launched, um, means that um, you can build once your applications and run them anywhere, whether you run them on-premise, IBM's cloud or other clouds. So, so why is that important? It's important because um, essentially as a CIO, you're, you're doing two core things. You're, you're forever trying to drive the optimal level of productivity from your IT assets and your developers, and from those creating value 
and obviously doing so in a, in a way that's secure and compliant. Um, the current model um, without the capabilities that IBM are providing means that you'd have to have a development team that would be able to develop against your on-premise environment, mm -hmm. a different set of skill sets for, for a proprietary cloud service provider one, another different set of um, uh, skill sets for a proprietary cloud service provider two. So that's incredibly inefficient from a developer perspective. But also the reason why those, those other cloud providers are proprietary is because it locks you in. Mm -hmm. uh, with the capability that we have, it means you can write once at that, on that and you're not locked in. You can have portability with your applications across other cloud providers, ourselves included. Um, because I think the best form of lock-in is actually delivering good quality, very thoughtful products that are really relevant for the marketplace that you're operating within. And that's why the industry focus that we started and announced this time last year um, um, is, is really important. And we kind of led the vanguard of that. It's quite interesting that the other cloud service providers are now kind of a similar narrative. And I guess imitation is the best form of flattery. Um, but the, um, um, but uh, the, uh, the, the ability to actually write one sooner and anywhere, again, is uniquely differentiated to us. And it always will be because we, we are more than just a pure play cloud provider. Whereas with the other cloud providers, one answer, this is the answer. Yeah, whatever the question is. So, yeah, Howard, yeah I, thank you. I, I didn't want to take you down a, a product path at all with that. But um, one of the things I think with IBM today for a lot of people, you are doing so many things in so many different areas so quickly. And it's it's somewhat unconventional, right? You know, the, a, a lot of the other companies said, well, I have my SaaS stuff and my infrastructure, so my platform. This sort of went that way. And I think IBM's coming at it a little bit differently, sort of saying, let's go from the customer in instead of from the industry out. So um, it, it, that, that was helpful for you there as you deconstructed that. And I, I just wanted to ask as well, I think um, uh, about three months ago in Microsoft's last earnings call, one of the financial analysts kept asking Medela and their CFO, yeah, but what about business applications? Why is that number here and not somewhere else? And finally, Nadella said, look, you are looking at the problem in the wrong way. You're looking at it from the application point of view, but the customer looks at it from the business process point of view. And that seems to really be playing out hard, right, in the uh, industry-specific area. So I wonder if you could talk about how, you know, IBM's suited for that. Yeah, so, so we, um, we, we always take a business in approach. We have GBS that you referenced at the beginning of the call. Its entire purpose is to help companies decalcify their business processes. Because essentially a company competes in the marketplace based upon how frictionless and convenient the service now is. And very often that actually, the frictionless and convenience of the actual service is very often number one relative to the actual product. If you're easy to consume from, people will consume from you. Um, but business processes, like everything, kind of quantum dynamics, everything has entropy, they calcify and atrophy. So you forever have got to refresh it. But to do that, you've got to actually then deconstruct it. And there's four com components of a business process. There is the people and the processes associated with it. And that's where typically kind of the consulting firms will come through. But you can't transform on purely processes and people. We had this notion in my overall, in terms of where you would transform business processes from back to front. So what do I mean by that? Well, it's the three other components. It's the applications, the data sets, and your digital supply chain. So unless you understand first the business process and the outcome you're trying to actually get to, and then you deconstruct that system based upon the people or processes associated with those people, data, applications, and digital supply chain, if you look at those, those areas, you, you absolutely can 
accelerate your ability to do a digital transformation with an outcome at the end. Um, and when I talk to companies to get that, they kind of work through and they're very clear on what that is. But I still talk to some companies and I'll ask what their, tra- their strategy is and I'll say cloud. But what does that mean? Cloud's a tool. It's like saying, what's your business strategy? It's a spanner or it's a hammer, right? But cl- cloud in and of itself is just an enabler um, and a component of an overall piece. So IBM comes in on that business process approach. Um, and then we'll look at the applications. We'll look at the actual data sets that you have, your digital supply chain in terms of how that should work cleanly. So the software as a service providers, but also very secure, securely um, and transform on that basis. And that, that accelerates your ability to get to the, out- the business outcomes that you're after. And I just got a, a side question. Do you have a, any sort of chemistry in your background because you're talking about alchemy and I liked what you were talking about there and the decalcification. That's a great image for what has to happen now, right? It is, yeah. I, I guess I kind of talk in metaphors because it makes it easier. The, um, and having been a CIO in a bank, the last thing that a banker wants to hear is you talk about technology. So you, you've got to always simplify the, uh, the, uh, the narrative otherwise it's not understood by business leaders. Yeah, so all right, I, I like those the, the four uh, components of the, the process that you outlined there. Could you give an idea, you know, what's your sense of do half of the, the companies that want to move in the direction of the cloud, do they get that? Uh, is it more or less? It's, 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 not, it's not roundly understood, but it's starting to kind of, and this is what I call this kind of chapter two of cloud, yeah. where there isn't a situation where I don't speak to a financial institution or a telco where they've got a cloud first strategy Great, how long have you been on that cloud first strategy? Three or four years, great. How many workloads have you moved next to all? Okay, the, um, so, so and what is it? What was the business outcome that you're driving for? Um, the, uh, so it's starting to kind of be understood now that you've got to be very clear on what the business outcome is that you're looking to drive. Um, and the whole notion of digital transformation through the pandemic, it's massively tra- uh, accelerated in many, many cases, but not for large business transformations. And why is that? It's because of legacy. Yep. So God created the earth in seven days, but that's because he didn't have a legacy to deal with, right? But it took a lot longer if there was a whole bunch of other things to work your way through. Howard, that is a great point. I want to come back to that in just a second. But first, a word from our sponsor, BMC. BMC wants to know, is your business on its A game? That's when systems are intelligent by learning from markets, where automation is paramount yet effortless, and when technology and people work as one in an enterprise. The A-game is your business at its absolute best. BMC calls this the autonomous digital enterprise. Find out more at bmc.com slash A-game. So the, um, it's kind of a nice time for IBM to kind of get our offerings very strongly in the marketplace because we're coming to a position where there's already been multiple failed attempts with simply bolting this other resource pool on, which is a cloud, and presuming that that's going to actually make the world a better place. It just adds more complexity. Uh, and it's kind of this, this Franken-cloud concept I talk about, or Frankenstein, where you see time and time again, these piece parts stitched together that actually just create this monster of complexity, compliance risk, cybersecurity risk, and absolutely financial risk in terms of the cost going the wrong direction. Um, now, that doesn't mean that cloud is a great enabler, but it has to be done correctly. It has to be done with the right architectural standards, needs to be done in an open fashion as opposed to a proprietary fashion. Um, and and I'm, I'm kind of in the 12 months I've been at IBM, I'm starting to see that kind of, there was more of those conversations taking place. And in some, some cases, uh, Bob, it's because 
there's this denial um, uh, kind of all this emotional um, grief uh, uh, cycle that people have to go through where they've committed a lot of time and energy to actually chapter one of clouds, move your applications off your computers to ours to actually understand that that wasn't the way to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah and then those, those stages of grief and acceptance and anger, uh, got to work through those, but uh, <laughs> then, you know, get back on it, and, you know, get the thing right. Howard, so in that journey is, you know, you're finding more companies are um, becoming aware of, you know, why has, as you've described it, three or four years, one workload so far that um, as they're getting that, does that take you into discussions, of course, with the CIO, but are you hitting other uh, members of the C-suite now in these conversations? Yeah, if, I mean, if I talk to, I, so I'll talk to boards. I'm talking to a board of a major company um, next week, which is their non-executive directors to explain what cloud is and to explain um, how it can be used effectively. Um, the, um, but in terms of the kind of the regular dialogue, it's CIOs and chief technology officers as one element, chief information security officers as another element. In the regulated op, um, industries, it will be chief risk and compliance officers as well. Um, and then um, what I also spend a lot of time doing is talking to regulators around the world um, in the various industries that we face off to, to solicit their concerns and feedback and interest and to share the approach that we're taking um, so that they can kind of see that we're trying to create a standards for cloud consumption with the compliance controls built in, as opposed to being built in on a case by case basis by every regulated company, which is the current mode of operation which people will look back in three years time and think that was just beyond crazy. Um, why would you not buy from a cloud that's already built the compliance controls in and it's their responsibility to keep them fresh and current in their generally available product. Yeah, yeah, there was um, a conversation with somebody from one of the other big tech companies recently hired and he said, you know, I, he said, I think it's interesting in the tech industry, we hear about companies that have taken, you know, more years than we might've thought to sort of get the cloud thing right. And he said, we, we kind of sometimes have a tendency to blame the customers. He said, well, maybe, maybe. He maybe. said, it's way too hard. Yeah. He said, they want to go and why don't they? Well, it's, it's still too hard. So just, just build great products, right? And, and, don't, and, and the, the nice thing about the approach we took at IBM is we pivoted from trying to be a general purpose cloud to the core industries that we're focusing on. So I can really, really ensure that I'm building the kind of stuff that I want you to consume with really good quality engineering, really understanding the actual problems that customers face. Um, um, and, and, then, and then also the investments that I make. And I'm, I'm spending many billions of dollars to build that capacity and capabilities. But I'm building out very specific for the markets that I'm going for, as opposed to this generic thing that then the customer has to do a huge amount of customization around. Um, that, that, that didn't make any sense in my old role. Um, and it certainly isn't making sense when I talk to CIOs in the markets that we're, um, we're focusing upon. Yeah, you don't want to uh, build a new house and then have it actually become a fixer-upper that you spent three yeah. years getting to what you really wanted. So, Howard, can you tell me about a, a couple, um, either by name or just broad reference some customers and how you've helped them move into this advanced stage? Yeah, I mean, so the, um, there's, there's a range of different customers in different industries that we've kind of addressed. Um, so, so one um, is an automotive manufacturer um, where we were looking to help them in terms of ensuring that their channel um, partners could be more effective in what they were doing, but be very protective of the data, of the customer data, 
um, and do so in a way that is actually relevant to the various um, nation states that they operate within. Um, so taking that business problem and then applying the capabilities that we have within our cloud architecture. There's a large airline uh, carrier, national uh, global airline carrier that wanted to ensure that it could minimize the amount of ground stops it had um, mm -hmm. so that it could actually improve the quality of service it was providing, but also improve its economics. And it actually, in, in, a, in a period of lemons for the airline industry during the pandemic, it decided to make champagne lemonade by actually changing the systems during that period that probably it wouldn't want to have touched because they had so much throughput. So we've used cloud-based technology to really improve the, the availability and the performance and the capacity of those systems. So it minimizes the number of ground stops. But again, a business in problem yep. that we were solving for. Um, another large financial, um, their wealth management platforms um, were revisiting how that business, that, those calcified business processes are and in addressing the data, the applications, the digital supply chain. And of course, in the case of IBM, um, most wealth management businesses that run well run on IBM's mainframe systems. Um, and we are continuing to actually improve upon the, the contemporary nature of how you develop against those environments, both in an on-premise and a cloud basis, but also how you integrate into uh, x86 form factors and other data sets. And there's some really quality innovation pieces that's coming out of that product development team around AI on the mainframe. Um, you build against Red Hat OpenShift, um, which is the core platform we use across the entire company. All of our software is built upon that. Our cloud's built upon that um, as this kind of universal adapter to give you this portability that I talked about um, in a very open way. Um, um, so, so there are three industries where clear business problems, uh, and then we apply the breadth of capabilities that IBM has to meet them, of which cloud is a component. Yeah. And, um... Howard, are you finding that as you develop these more industry-specific solutions, the more tailored things, is the level or the volume of you know co-innovation, co-creation with customers, is that rising? Well, it's 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 huge. So the but, it, but it's, we're doing it in an interesting way. So for financial services, the, the the capabilities that we're releasing now at very rapid rate, every month there's a new set of capabilities we launch for our generally available product. What we are doing is we have four financial services councils. And the participants of those validate and prioritize what we put into the GA. Now, the other approach would have been to actually build something individually for each and every one of them, but that takes you back down to the, the road of good intentions is, is, is the, the payments that takes you to hell, right? So, so we have them participating from a co-creation perspective, and we're doing so in terms of let's create a set of standards for cloud consumption for the whole industry to de-risk it. Um, but we're also doing a lot of co-innovation um, with companies as well, other technology companies on our platform. So a key risk that I'm, I, we've, built, we've helped to um, de-risk is software as a service providers, your consumption of them. So if you think about the SolarWinds issue, um, how do you actually manage a situation where it's an extended part of your supply chain? If you land on the IBM cloud as a SaaS provider, you inherit those compliance controls that I talked about. And it's a set standard across the whole industry. But we're working with um, endpoint security companies like Ternium, um, and they are extending into those companies to gather, gather log information. And then we put that, that information into our confidential compute capability. And then the participants, the customers that sit on our environment can draw that and put them into their um, security operation centers. So a really beautiful example of a business problem, again, in terms of how you de-risk your digital supply chain, 
don't just think about the cloud capabilities, think about the compliance controls that we have built in and have built in over the past two and a half years. And that really is a moat as well. There's a lot of market, marketing noise via the cloud service providers to say they've got these controls. They, they haven't. It, it, unless you come from the industry, you really don't understand how to engineer it into the environment. But then the co-creation within the technology company in this context, Tanium, and then the partnership with the actual financial institutions to use that into their business processes. So it's, it's a really neat work it, way of working, but it doesn't compromise the generally available products. We're not creating custom capabilities that then get you into a bad spot in terms of uh, how you can sustain that going forward. All right. And Harded, two other things I wanted to ask you are, are you able to give any sort of indication about the, the, the size of the industry specific business at IBM or growth rate or anything along those lines? So we, um, we're doing double digit growth um, on, our, on our cloud business. Um, the, um, the marketplace that we're going into is untapped. Um, so the target addressable market based upon analyst reports for the top, the core markets we're going for is around $700 billion. Um, and the market penetration for the use of cloud can be in low single digit um, based upon higher regulated industries and probably less than 20% in less regulated industries. Mm -hmm. um, so the whole notion that the kind of the, the cloud battle or the cloud wars are, are over, um, it's only just begun for large enterprises. Um, it hasn't, hasn't began at all really. Um, and that's why we're very, we're very confident on the thesis that we're delivering. And we're getting this po very positive feedback from the customers that we've obviously got very long-term long relationships with um, because of the nature and the, the history of IBM. Okay. And the last thing I want to ask, I know, so a little over a year now at IBM, what's it been like going from the customer side to the provider side? It's, it's just a, working for a technology company is very energetic, but joining when there's a new chief executive, Arvind Krishna, who's moving at the rate and pace that he, he is to transform the business. And he is um, a world-class technologist. I mean, he joins dots um, across the various technologies and kind of one of these rare people that sees into the future. That was a key attraction for me coming to, the, to this company, plus all of the assets that we have here. Um, and getting the company focused to be a technology company again, um, with no disrespect to the strategic outsourcing business, um, but we're, we're separating to allow that company to have its own head and drive it at its own pace. Um, but that means that we focus on our open hybrid uh, cloud and AI business a thesis. And the, the quality both with the technologists here, um, I was in our uh, research labs on Monday at Yorktown Heights it, they are living in the future. So I was going through our quantum computing capability uh, with them because we're going to put that onto our cloud yeah. at the end of um, th this year. Um, and you think about that then. You've got IBM's cloud with quantum, with mainframe, with x86, with the operating system of above it of Linux and obviously other operating systems. You've then got the uh, traditional web sphere middleware, but then you've got the, the, the middleware of the future for cloud, which is Red Hat OpenShift that gives everybody the, the flexibility. Um, and it's kind of, if you're a technologist, it's, it's kind of like a candy store with the best assets you could ever imagine. Um, so a lot of fun is the answer to your question. That's great to hear. Great to hear. All right. Anything that uh, you wanted to be sure to bring up before we wrap up? That's very grateful for your time, Bob. And thank you so much for the, uh, for the, uh, the, the invitation. Really love the other uh, conversation. Well, same here, Howard.